Good day, everybody. It's Craig Ryan from the Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC, back with his favorite colleague and co-host, Carla Heim. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and today we're speaking with yet another highly interesting entrepreneur. As you may know, the BDC is dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs, and so we get to meet hordes of really interesting business people. Today's uh, is one of that uh, charter member of the interesting club. His name is Lose, Lose Tetong from Toronto, or now practicing business in Toronto. And um, his company is called Propeller Coffee. Good day to you, Lose. Good day, Craig. <laughs> Good day from Toronto. Welcome aboard. Tell us about your company. What is it? What do you sell? What do you do? And how do you do it? So, Propeller Coffee is a specialty small batch roaster based in Toronto. We are about five years old. Our fifth birthday is coming up on October the 19th, and we're all pretty excited about that. We uh, source and roast some amazing coffees from around the world. So, almost every major growing region is where we get our coffee from. And we actually visit those places, get to know the farmers, and um, find uh, some of their best crops and bring them back here to Toronto. Um, once they're back here, we roast them in our uh, century-old um, factory that we found about five and a half years ago and repurposed to become a, a roastery with a cafe in the front. And we roast those beans, we package them, and we uh, ship and distribute them to our wonderful cafe, restaurant, and office partners, and a bunch of e-commerce retail partners um, and customers all around the world. And we wrap that all with a bunch of service. Um, and we like to think that we're one of the most sustainable roasters in North America. We're busy trying to... Uh, quantitatively kind of prove that with the beginnings of a lead certification um, and some other kind of quant measurements of it. But uh, that's basically what we do in our core coffee business. And then I kind of joke, if you've ever been to the roastery, it's kind of like a, the opposite of a mullet. It's party in the front, <laughs> business in the back. <laughs> so, so that front part that most people see is where the cafe is by day. And then by night, we do a lot of fun things um, in there like chef's dinners, birthday parties, weddings, anniversaries, book launches, all sorts of other kind of arts-related events. And then in the back is where we do all that kind of traditional manufacturing, if you will, the, mm -hmm. the storing and the warehousing of the coffee and other supplies, the roasting, the packaging, and all that. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, a full-on going concern in about 10,000 square feet. That's wonderful. It's, I visited. It's a terrific spot. But uh, just so we're clear, but the bulk of your business, so say, is wholesaling coffee to cafes and restaurants across Canada and the U.S. and, and other parts of the world. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and you're enjoying a real success because in 2016, you were named the Micro Roaster of the Year. That's uh, right. Yeah. By, by a wonderful group uh, based out of uh, Portland, Oregon, um, Roast Magazine. But they do much more than just the magazine. Uh, they do the magazine, they have the Daily Coffee News, which is a kind of an email newsletter that's one of uh, the two or three that kind of the coffee world reads all around the world every morning as they get up. Um, and they ran, uh, they started running that uh, Roaster of the Year series, I think about 
maybe 13 or 14 years ago. And, you know, we were only about two and a half years old then when we won that. And we were staggered to win it and pretty excited. And that immediately, you know, as a basically a toddler of a company, put us on the kind of global coffee map. So um, we all kind of joke in-house that we suddenly had to live up to all the nice things they said about us. And so it really was a challenge for us just to kind of further accelerate what we were doing. That's super interesting. And uh, congratulations on such success in your first uh, almost five years. So um, I'm curious, I know that uh, roasting coffee is quite an art. So I wonder if you can explain to us a little bit about the process that you use. You know, Carla, I have to be super careful when I answer that question because our head roaster is a uh, honors physics grad from the University of Waterloo. And uh, if I were to, you know, agree with you that it is fully an art, then I would get a good cuff to the side of the head. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's right. And that's right. If I may. That's lo- true. That's I'm, true. If I may lo- say, I did my Google research. And I have learned that your company's technology includes, get this, folks, a, quote, color track laser refractometer that reveals the color of the differential between the inside and the outside of the roasted coffee, a Sinar AP6060 for analyzing the moisture content of the green samples, (laughs) and a Cropster Roast tracking system that records every toast for later analysis. I mean, I thought I knew fancy coffee. This is quite something. You you people take quality control pretty seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, as with all things, it's about balance. And uh, the balance here is between the art, as Carla was getting at, and the sciences <laughs> you've done your research on. So, you know, really it is those two things. And, you know, if you talk to any roaster kind of in our um, kind of uh, um, industry that's you know, and many of them are doing wonderful, wonderful jobs. And they'll all agree that, you know, it truly is the art and the science of it. So um, in honor of our head roaster, Jonathan, or as we call him, Jono, I'll speak to the science first. Um, All those things that you just described, Craig, um, from the moment we receive a sample in-house from one of our farmers or one of our very, very trusted Um, you know, specialty green brokers. Um, And there's one that we work with that is also a B Corp, but others that either embody many of the B Corp ideals or even on the way to um, certifying. And, you know, as customers of theirs, we're encouraging as many as we can to move towards B Corp certification because it makes our certification and our kind of supply chain um, due diligence much easier to maintain. But really quickly on that, so the moment the coffee arrives from one of those sources um, and we get these little bags I kind of sometimes feel like we're in the drug industry um, and I mean the illicit <laughs> drug industry <laughs> we, get the, we get these little 100 and 200 and sometimes if they're being really generous um, 300 gram samples we immediately do a couple of things uh, actually three things we do a moisture analysis a water activity analysis and then a density analysis and really what those things are doing um, are helping us understand whether or not the coffee has been well processed and understanding how fresh it is because those things are really important when you're buying lots of coffee you know anywhere from several thousand pounds to several tens of thousands or you know for some of the bigger roasters several hundreds of thousands of pounds 
um, fairly large commitments of capital and working capital, and we just want to make sure that they're super fresh. So we kind of talk about a Goldilocks zone of those three tests where it's got the right moisture, the right water activity, and the right density. Um, and that's kind of the science piece of it. And then the art piece of it is we then... Um, if they do fit into those zones, we roast them up in a little sample roaster, um, and we use a, uh, a lovely piece of kit called the um, uh, Ikawa, which is uh, British-made, and it kind of takes the best of roasting technology and the best of digital and allows us to roast up small samples and then track it on our uh, phones or on our um, uh, tablets. And we then put it on the cupping table, and this is where the, uh, the art comes in. Um, you know, we're really fortunate. We've got a wonderful um, uh, green, uh, head green buyer and director of coffee named Lindsay, um, and she is just, you know, one of the, the gems in the industry. Uh, about a decade and a half of experience working with uh, a couple of the continent's top, top, top coffee roasters. And between her and Jonathan and I, we and a couple of other members of the team, we'll cup them on the table. And um, by cupping, I mean we'll take the roasted coffee, we'll grind it, we'll um, uh, water it, uh, uh, and then once it's steeped for long enough, we'll then um, uh, cup it. And we're using an industry standard protocol that, you know, right back to the farm, everybody is using in terms of the amount of coffee, the amount of water, the temperature of the water, the timing, and all the rest of it. And then we use a scoring grid. And it's that kind of sensory kind of very human subjective um, perception that then says, yes, we want to buy this lot or not. So just to give you in that kind of little window, um, a sense of kind of that balance of the art and science. And that goes all the way through to production roasting. And we do regular, as uh, Craig was noting, regular quality control um, testing and things. But it really helps us to understand both kind of you know, the actual physical characteristics of the coffee and then the kind of how is it going to taste and are, are our customers going to like it and does it fit in our portfolio? Wow, that's pretty amazing. I'm sure all of our listeners are going, wow, I never thought about that as they sip on their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. So um, what 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 caused you to start uh, Propeller? And uh, I know that you um, actually were working with a large organization prior to that. Uh, what's been your journey in life? <laughs> As I said, be careful. Ah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it super short. So like I said, uh, we're almost five. And uh, for a year or two before we started Propeller, um, I worked with um, a couple of people in the coffee industry, kind of looking at um, a, a few different organizations and just kind of doing a, a landscape and just really trying to understand what kind of the specialty coffee um, industry was like. And about a year before we started Propeller, um, you know, kind of did the, the gut check um, both at home here and kind of with the, the, my broader family and friends group just to say, does this make sense? Because, you know, prior to that, I'd been 15 years, as you alluded to, in kind of the corporate strategy world, uh, working as a corporate strategy consultant all around the world with, you know, very traditional, very, um, um, very kind of, 
large, yeah, exactly, <laughs> corporate clients helping them with, you know, as we would say in our kind of marketing materials, with their thorniest problems. So whether it was growth, whether it was, you know, um, uh, a merger, an acquisition, a kind of an operational issue, um, that's what 15 years of my life kind of went towards. And I thought, you know, the question to my friends and family were, you know, uh, or, or was, you know, does this make sense to make this jump? And I'd looked at a few other potential kind of entrepreneurial opportunities. But the reason why this one, you know, really spoke to me was just um, it seemed like an industry that kind of like, um, uh, you know, uh, wine or craft beer before it was really on the cusp of some, you know, pretty interesting growth some really interesting kind of uh, development and just popular kind of acceptance or interest. And it just seemed like a really neat industry that, um, you know, had also the global and international piece that I love so much. So besides the 15 years in corporate, I'm a veteran. I spent 10 years in uh, the Canadian forces before that in the, the Royal Canadian Navy. I'd gone through um, military college out at Royal Roads when it was still a military college. And um, so for basically 25 years plus had kind of traveled the world and the international nature of the uh, the coffee industry really, really spoke to me. So um, after doing that gut check, it was really a matter of, you know, business plan, arranging the financing, all the other things that so many of your clients are familiar with when they're starting um, and kind of working through all of those steps, the incorporation, finding space, and then just jumping into it. So um, it was... Uh, a big transition, but um, now kind of five and a half, six years later, uh, since making that decision, when I go back downtown and I'm, you know, meeting with old friends from either the corporate world or the military world, um, and they ask me, you know, so do you miss it? Um, I always say, you know, not for a second. Uh, it's just been <laughs> such a fun, fun, you know, challenging, no doubt, but like absolutely uh, exciting and fun five and a half years. It's interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to um, to learn more about Lose, the entrepreneur. You you worked in corporate culture, working as you described. Uh, before that, in the Navy, um, and if I understand correctly, the uh, the genetic lottery of life plopped you down first in um, a refugee camp in South India. You were a Tibetan Canadian, and then subsequently raised in Victoria, and so. Were there a lot of business people in your formative years, or is your entrepreneurialism that clutch of human qualities that usually define entrepreneurs, creativity, resourcefulness, the willingness to test waters and sometimes jump into waters? Uh, <laughs> Craig, as my wife would say, uh, you're now asking really personal questions, so this is the, this is where I have a hard time. But oh, uh, I'll I'll try to I'll try to answer the question. But um, you're getting to some fun stuff. Um, so, you know, you're right. I was born in a refugee camp in South India. Um, my mom was there as a Canadian, young Canadian, working with CUSO. She was in the very first group of CUSO to go out um, with some just really, really neat folks that kind of then came back and, you know, started organizations like CETA and other kind of big, um, Canadian organizations that I think we're really proud of as a country. And then my dad was a young, um, he's about a year older than his holiness, the Dalai Lama. And he was one of his holiness's, um, kind of, 
uh, trusted um, advisors because my dad had come from a family that was able to send him to uh, school in India before the um, the Chinese um, uh, invaded and occupied and the Dalai Lama fled. He was one of the few Tibetans, my dad, that uh, were able to speak English and Hindi and um, also had German and was able to act as a translator and kind of advisor to his holiness. So, wow. yeah, so when the Tibetans came into exile, um, kind of starting from the late 50s, big flood in 59, his holiness came out in 59. Um, it was They were all up in the north, so up in kind of very dire refugee kind of camp situations up in the north. And um, my mom arrived, I think, in late 60, early 61, just fresh from her teacher's uh, degree at U of T. And um, they uh, worked for a few years together in North India, kind of knew each other, but not really. Um, and then my mom was working with uh, orphans. And then because she had the OISE um, teacher's training from the U of T, uh, Ontario Institute of Education, His Holiness asked her and a senior Tibetan Lama who, you know, the uh, monks are the traditional educators in Tibet, um, if she would start a school, um, a teacher's training school. So they ran that for a couple of years. And that's when she and my dad got to know each other. My mom, as I said, was Canadian from Oakville, and um, my grandfather um, actually did come from, you know, besides a military background, a business background. So uh-huh. he, he's one of my main kind of uh, formative influences, you know, those late nights when you're thinking, holy crap, I don't know if I can do this. Um, uh, nowadays, in the business sense, um, I kind of think back to some of probably what he went through because he had a, a number of companies. Um, and uh, in the mid to late 60s, and I think right up until the early 70s, was the president of the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. Um, and he was in kind of traditional Canadian manufacturing and exporting and stuff here in southern Ontario. So they went out to visit and kind of blessed a very then untraditional marriage a year before, guess who's coming to dinner, was in the theaters. So between their good old waspy daughter from Oakville and my dad, and so that was kind of the backstory to me being uh, born in South India because the Tibetans were, you know, not doing very well in these refugee camps. So uh, His Holiness asked my mom and dad to start this camp down in South India that now I think today has somewhere, there's two of them, Mungud, which is where I was born, and Balakupi, which is the other one. And I think between them, they have somewhere between kind of 50 and 60,000 Tibetans living in very successful farming communities with uh, two major monasteries that have kind of replanted from Tibet to down there. So that's that's where I was born. But when I was born, it was still kind of huts and tents. And I think I was born in a, a little one-room hut. And we lived there for the first five years before we moved to Victoria. So not a lot of business <laughs> was mm-hmm. going on. It was more kind of, you know, what I guess we would traditionally now call kind of international aid and development. Um, you know, people like the Aga Khan and the Aga Khan Foundation, CETA, Swiss uh, Agricultural Aid, those were the kinds of people that I was kind of surrounded by early. And then growing up, my mom kind of, when we went to Victoria, went back to teaching. My dad went back to teaching and also getting a, um, a master's in public admin. Um, and so not a lot of business. So it was really my grandfather and then kind of later in life, um, a number of other friends and mentors, um, kind of as I made the transition from the military to private sector. Um, 
that really became kind of those mentors that, you know, just like all those things that you said, Craig, the entrepreneurialism, the kind of um, creative kind of, you know, how do we how do we do this kind of training or encouragement? Yeah. What a what a beautiful and rich and diverse background you come from. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you for sharing that. So if BDC had a simple algorithm that tried to figure out whether or not someone was going to become an entrepreneur, um, your story would probably stump that simple algorithm. <laughs> but then it's it's fascinating for me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, um, to hear and see how you really cannot separate the company from the person because it's people who sit at the heart every day, or not just of the creation, but their daily running. Of, uh, of a company like Propeller. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that um, you are a B Corp certified company, which is amazing, and that um, that you're really using the, the B Corp principles, the assessment, to help you build out your company. Can you, can you tell us why you chose B Corp certification as one of your many certifications, I'm sure? Yeah, well, uh, actually, it is really um, of the kind of formal certifications. I think, you know, other than some specific coffee ones, it really is our main kind of corporate one. And the reason why we chose it was just because it is so holistic and it um, uh, really reflected some of the things that we were um, both intuitively and formally trying to do on our own. And so things in our... Um, business plan and in our strategy Um, but you know when we looked at it and saw you know how thoroughly um, the B Corp um, initial assessment and then just the methodology going forward um, kind of uh, uh, codified what we were trying to do and gave us a structure to you know take what we were already doing and say you know let's do it this way we really appreciated it so you know, I think I've um, shared this back with the B Corp guys um, and, you know, anybody who's thinking about B Corp uh, a number of times. And it's when we did the assessment, that was really the thing that sold us. And it's, you know, it takes an hour, um, they say, but more like an hour and a half ish um, <laughs> if you kind of do it with a couple of teammates. And we went through it and we just kind of thought, wow, this is amazing. And because it gave us three kind of buckets of insight. The first one was, you know, this is some stuff that we're already doing and B Corp recognizes it, um, acknowledges that, you know, we're on track and that, you know, we're already doing it. We've got it documented and we've got, um, uh, you know, work that we've um, kind of put against it. The second set were, you know, these are things that we're thinking of doing. We haven't or, or that we've just started, but we really haven't documented, codified, or set any targets against. And then the third bucket of insight was, oh, wow, here are all these things that, um, you know, we hadn't thought of that others are doing. They're doing to, you know, good effect both, you know, internally in terms of their company success, but also in terms of some of the external um, kind of success criteria in terms of impact. And wow, wouldn't it be awesome to go through this list and identify things that we could and probably should do and put that on our path. So after that initial one and a half hours-ish, we spent several hours just kind of going through and sifting through. And by the end of it, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, this is something we really, really should invest our time in because it's going to help us on an ongoing basis. Um, 
not necessarily define our strategy, but help define key parts of it and make sure that, you know, we're being held to account as well, because there is that aspect of, you know, once you certify, you have to recertify. And I think that's so key to it. Um, so it kind of keeps you accountable, like any good plan. Uh, so those were the things that really kind of drew us to it. And I think keep us drawn to it. I, when I listen to you, Lose, when I, what I sense through the microphones is a person who is motivated by a purpose that is far broader than business. And it occurs to me as I listen to you, even though I have enjoyed coffee at your cafe, that the coffee's <laughs> almost incidental, but it could have been something else, meaning everything that motivates you and everything that you do in terms of community involvement, in terms of the communities in your supply chain, um, are as important as the numbers that are flowing through your cash registers. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I, you know, that's a, and again, um, this is, you're holding some awesome mirrors up here. Um, I, I think that's probably accurate. Um, I mean, I definitely, you know, just have a bunch of interests, but, uh, you know, I l absolutely love coffee in and of its own right, love the industry, love the stuff that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And every single time I begin to even get a hint of, is this really kind of what the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years looks like? We do something, we get engaged by somebody, or we make a trip, and then suddenly, you know, it's just kind of like being, you know, the freshman again, who's kind of just had their mind blown. So for instance, a few years ago, when I went on my first origin trip, um, meaning to, you know, one of the countries where we buy our coffee from, um, it was at the end of two and a half, three years of really hard grinding to get the business, you know, uh, incorporated, the operations stood up, first team members hired, first roast, customers knocking on doors, you know, we were the new kid on the block and trying to get our, you know, coffee out in the market. And I was exhausted. And that January, when um, Jono, our head roaster, and I went down to uh, Guatemala, and then we also went to Mexico. <laughs> That's a different story. But we went to Guatemala and Mexico on that first trip. We, um, it was just, you know, just mind-blowing. Suddenly, here we were seeing a whole different part of the industry that was so exciting and just so much going on and stimulating in many, many different ways. Um, so I think that part, just to kind of caveat, and then the other part is absolutely, and this is kind of back to my roots, depending on whether this is just one incarnation or I've got a few more to go, or, you know, on the Christian side, you know, there is, you know, um, this is it, and then there's an afterlife, uh, I don't know. So, you know, placing my bet on this is my one time around. <laughs> um, there's just so many things that are interesting and worthwhile, and we've got one shot at it. So, you know, when we do engage with chefs and we do our chef's dinners and we, um, you know, engage in other things that don't seem to quite make sense directly to kind of the core coffee mission, um, it's for, you know, the, yeah, those broader reasons. But, um, and I think that's, you know, the second part of it. And the third part of it is, you know, we do have this incredible platform that we've built. And I think, um, you know, to the whole purpose mission that um, I think B Corp is so uh, just awesome at kind of identifying and zeroing, zeroing right in on. And purpose can mean different things to different people and absolutely does. But for us, I think, you know, 
the purpose of you know using our platform both as a coffee roaster and as a uh, kind of a physical and business entity in our community um, to affect some positive change, whether that's you know through fundraising for food security in our community or food security in our origin countries, um, you know, which is a challenge that we've taken on as a, as a team, um, or, you know, some of the other things that we engage in. It really is neat to see just how, not neat, it's awesome to see how engaged the team and our partners and our customers get by that. So, you know, it's great coffee. Um, but it's also done in the most sustainable and kind of community-minded way possible. And I, it just fires us all up. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Our time is going by so fast. I think we could spend another <laughs> a good half an hour talking to you. But, At least. Um, we wanted to end the interview on one final question for you. If you could go back um, when you were 15, what would you tell that 15-year-old self? <laughs> you know what? I still don't know. I still don't know. Um, Great I, Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out the answer, but, you know, I kind of go back and forth. One of me says, um, you know, just jump right into it. Just jump right into the entrepreneurial um, kind of starting a business, starting an organization, if it's a not-for-profit or an NGO, um, and just jump, you know, right into it right away. And the other, because I kind of look and I'm like, ah, oh, that 15 years in corporate land and the 10 years in the military. But then the other part of me looks back and says, you know what? I think those stages all had a purpose and a really, really meaningful purpose, both in terms of the experiences and the things I learned and the people that I, you know, was really fortunate to serve with in both contexts. Um, and so I think, you know, what I would probably say, and this is something that I just read recently, and I think it might have been in some of your um, BDC materials, was just the average age of the starting entrepreneur. It was something like 45 or 46. And so I, you know, I didn't break that algorithm. I was almost perfectly true to it. <laughs> I, uh, I think I was 43-ish, maybe 42 when I kind of made the decision. And I think it's that, you know, wherever you are, whether you're 20 and start thinking of starting a business or 50 and thinking of starting a business, you know, just you are where you are and look at your life experiences as nothing but just really awesome things that have set you up for where you're at. And you're here. Now is the opportunity. Um, if it, you know, is something that you feel really good about, you've done your due diligence with friends and family that you trust, and you think you're, you know, even remotely capable of doing it, do your due diligence and then just do it because there's no time like the present and we all have different journeys. So, that's right. It's, it's some distilled version of that, Carla, is probably what I would tell my 15-year-old self, but I haven't had enough time to really <laughs> Great to, to advice. So, Great yeah. advice. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Thank you so much. Um, I'll say on behalf of all of our listeners, on behalf of everyone at BDC, thank you so, so much for your time. I just have a couple of quick snappy questions with which we will close our interview. Shoot. One. For those of us lucky enough to live in Toronto, what is the address of your cafe? <laughs> it's uh, 50 Wade Avenue, oh. and we're just in a little industrial corner tucked behind Bloor and Lansdowne. 
Okay. For those of us lucky enough to be running a business that sells coffee, how can they find you? Uh, PropellerCoffee.com or our social. That's about everything. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys very much. I've done my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy kids starting Thank a business very, at 43. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, Carla, uh, where to begin? I thought that was a thoroughly interesting, inspiring conversation, and I'm sure most of our listeners felt exactly the same way. Um, you'd have to do a list of the things or the reasons why that's interesting, but I, I'm just struck by how he has fused Losey the person with the team and its motivations for something bigger and broader uh, than any particular commercial vehicle <laughs> and still created a hyper cool award-winning highly successful business i just think it's it's bravo all around absolutely and uh i i learned so much about the coffee process and what actually goes into it i'm i'm <laughs> more respectful of that as well i will never complain about a three dollar coffee for the rest of my life those no. machines it must look like nasa in the back <laughs> It must. It must. So that was super interesting. And uh, and certainly I really appreciated that uh, he was willing to share um, a bit of his personal story because that was really um, robust and, and deep. And I'm sure that's played a role in the type of company that he's created and the person that he is. And I'm sure his employees are thrilled to be there. Yeah. I, I don't know if the people who created the B Corp certification had folks like him in mind, but he is a Perfect fit. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, as always, if you would like further information about the B Corp assessment, you can go to bcorporation.net. And also, uh, you can visit bdc.ca for more information as well. Thank you so much. Good day, everyone. Till next time.